this is Kiki Rai, and you're listening to For the... Listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or even game design. Joining Roger from Wow Dogs, and for the lore is Joe, writer for World of Maticus, and Enrique of Spooncraft. This episode of For the Lore is brought to you by Sean Ferguson of VisualBomb.com. Check it out. That's my man who got me the Borg Bridge Officer. He does fantastic graphic design, and you should look him up if you're looking for any graphic design work for print or for online. Hello and welcome to For the Lore, this is Roger coming to you on Monday, the 4th of January for our first podcast, not just of the year, but of the decade, folks. I've got with me, same as usual, Joe, as well as Rick. Boys, how was your New Year's Eve? Fantastic, except for the food poisoning. You could probably do without that, I would imagine. It was outstanding, going to bed at 4 a.m. We did not stay up quite that late, but it was only just uh, the wife and I and the youngest. The others were all out doing their own thing. And so uh, it wasn't too bad. We actually we, we rang the new year by watching the um, uh, that Robin Williams teacher movie, the uh, shit. Oh, the Captain, my fire? Captain. No, the good, good, good no, no, the oh, that Society. Society. There you go. There but you go. I mean, it was a fantastic movie to watch. Actually, with the the, the coming of the new year, that that carpe diem, the seize the day kind of thing. Um, so no, that was our. New Year's, uh, New Year's Eve. It, it's been an interesting holidays for, for me in that I probably I shouldn't say interesting so much as expensive. I don't know about you guys, but I am so glad that Steam is done with their fucking daily sales because it yeah. was starting to get a little much. It was just every goddamn day, twelve o'clock. I'm checking, and even the youngest Tristan is like, "Can we check the sales today? Can we? Can we? Huh?" <laughs> And it was like, it was too much and had to use so much restraint. Like, did you guys pick up any games over the the holidays? I, I actually up. did not get a chance to, unfortunately. My Steam went apeshit crazy and I decided to spend the money elsewhere. I wound up picking up um, Bard's Tale and uh, I picked up the PC copy for Ghostbusters and things like that. Like uh, some staple games that I really wanted. And uh, yeah, and yeah, Witcher, I- The Witcher. I, I picked up The Witcher. I picked up, um, what else? Defense Grid, that tower defense, which is actually supposed to be fairly good. I picked up um, Foreign Legion for my son. He wanted to play just so that he could shoot chickens. <laughs> so, I mean, it was a, <laughs> a buck 40. How can you say no to that? Go ahead, son. Have fun. Kill some chickens. And then there yeah, was uh, Mass Effect was five bucks. And I was talking to Joe about this. Like, I, I pre-ordered, this is why it was also expensive. I pre-ordered Mass Effect 2, as well as Star Trek Online during the holidays. And um, and I didn't tell the wife. And we're not going to tell her people, okay? Just everybody be hush-hush about it. But I never got <laughs> to play the first one. And so that's something that was bothering me and why I was actually holding off on 2, because I didn't get to play the first one. And... I didn't pick it up when it was on sale for five bucks either during, what was that, Black Friday? It was on sale for five bucks. And I thought, nah, I don't have time for that. But then 
I'd been looking at so much of the new shit coming out for Mass Effect 2, and it was like, fuck. Like, it, 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 I gotta get it. And so when I told myself, well, if Steve puts it on for five bucks, I'll, I'll pick it up. I was kind of hoping they wouldn't because I'd already bought, like I bought Bioshock, even though I have it for the 360. I don't have it for the computer, but again, five bucks. So I picked it up. I picked up Grand Theft Auto 4. Again, $7.50. Kind of hard to say no. Excuse me. I picked up The Witcher. I picked up uh, Mass Effect. And I actually picked up a legit copy of Torchlight. Not that my copy wasn't legit, but it was the review copy. So with right. this, I've got the the cloud um, game save, so I don't have to worry if I play on another machine and whatever. I didn't spend too, too much just on the seam stuff. I held it down. It was about 35 bucks all told. <laughs> but then there was a fucking Mass Effect due <laughs> and Star Trek Online. And that kind of hurt the bank account quite a bit. I got to tell you, quite a bit. Yeah, but at the end, even though your pocketbook was hurting... You felt that really good burn, just like the rest of us, as I'm sitting there going, oh, man, I shouldn't have spent that. Oh, yeah, yeah, I should have spent that money. That was worth it. That was worth every goddamn penny, and you know it. Well, the thing, too, is that, like, the more I saw, well, the Star Trek Online was a no-brainer. I knew I was picking it up because I I just had to. The Mass Effect 2, I really wanted it, especially seeing as I played through Dragon Age Origins, I, I, again, knew more about what we can expect from them now modern games from them and having seen a lot of the uh, the star wars the old republic footage of what they're working on so it was like yeah so i started checking out more of their stuff and we're going to talk about it later but holy crap and hell like i mean it, it's really really hard to say no to that shit once you start looking at all the uh, all the all the trailers that they had so aside from that over the holidays did you boys do any of the winter veil vale stuff in wow I had to. I was forced to actually because last year when I did my Winter Veil stuff, I logged out after completing everything except for the bugged achievement to log back in and find all of my holiday achievements gone, every single one of them, and which a GM ticket had said, too bad, so sad, and I had eventually told him to go fuck off and die in a fire, Um, but I had to do every single one of them this time to get my damn Drake. And I got my Drake. I got my ugly purple piece of shit Drake <laughs> that flies super goddamn fast. And I'm sitting on it like I'm logged out of game in it right now. So when I log in, it's there and I can giggle like a schoolboy. The fuchsia Drake? The fuchsia Drake. The fuchsia Drake, bro. That the thing is like it's, it's like a badge. I'm, I'm literally on, on my palette of one achievement away from it. I refuse to fucking do it. I'm going to have to wait till Brewfest this coming year, 2010, to even bother getting it. Because I was just so damn disenfranchised at how hideous that thing is. But... That's just me. And uh, no, I did not do a single solitary damn achievement for the uh, for the Winter Veil thing this year. I just really had no desire to do it at all. Are you doing any of the achievements on the new uh, Rogue? Um, I'm Yeah, I'm doing like achievements, you know, as they come and go. Some PvP stuff, some dungeon stuff and whatnot. But as far as like the holidays and whatnot, I've been... <laughs> I've been doing these fucking holidays with multiple characters, like just to a nauseating amount right now. It's right now ad nauseum to the point where I can't even bring myself to do it one final time. I mean, maybe I'll stomach it, you know, around the time the the summer festival comes up, you know, we do the summer fire festival thing. But uh, other than that, I just, I can't see myself doing it at all. I've done it with four characters already are just about there at the purple Drake. And I'm like, no more, no, no more. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's We've like, talked about this before too. It's they're, they're not changing the holidays. So you're always doing the same thing, which is a real pain in the ass. 
Well, and that's oh. exactly it. Like like he said, I'm I'm done. I'm done with my now that I have it on my main character. I'm not doing it on my alts. Like I have my my hunter and I have my death knight and I have uh, my priest and everything else. And I'm not touching the holiday achievements on them at all. I could give two shits on them. Yeah. Now that being said, you were saying as well, you completed the uh, what were you saying there? The second wing of ICC. No, that's the first tomorrow. wing is down. Second wing opens up tomorrow, which oh, is actually pretty big. Okay. So a lot of people are uh, a lot of people are getting really excited about it. Like you can see everybody. I mean, a lot of people are are jazzing about it because this is the part where people get to start their quest for uh, Shadowmorn. So you get people that have already gathered their twenty five Serenite or Primordial Serenite, and they're all getting jazzed and they're waiting for it, and they're just waiting to go plow right into there and uh, start the quest for their their legendary axe of awesome sauce. Um, so it's it's actually going to be a pretty big uh, another big moment. It's going to be almost like a content release. Um, and you can see that with the uh, the gated content like that, it's it, and it's not just like one boss per week like they did with TOC. It's an entire wing's worth, and it's the Professor Putricide wing. So yeah. you get to get to go and beat the shit out of uh, Professor Fonsworth for a while, which should be entertaining. Yeah, I thought that was actually pretty cool what they did because with Ice Crown, just about every boss in there has some really deep like lore kind of implication to it. But this particular wing with uh, Professor Putricide and then the two giant retarded scrotum you know bosses it's just it's a joke it's a joke you look you listen to some of the sound files and it's like these mobs sound like sloth freaking talking about dropping poops and you know all this horrible shit of whatnot on your raid it's really 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 just just silly and stupid and fun and, and i, I think that's really i think that's the big part about it too is they're injecting fun like humor into like an entire wings worth of what is arguably the most epic content they've released so far and i think that's nice to see that they're still doing that to try to like you know break up the monotony of rating for players that are rating in 10 and 25 man content it's a it's a little thing to say here have some fun have some giggles and it's like the xt uh, 002 voice uh, the first time you hear it you can't tell me that you heard those files and uh, didn't crack the shit up because you're laughing so hard your raid is dying my raid died my entire guild the first time they heard it healers couldn't heal tanks were just dead in their tracks the entire raid wiped and we loved every second of it and it's moments like that that really make the game fun and it really shows how wow has staying power because you get those little moments those little tongue-in-cheek moments those little hidden um bits of humor that nobody knows about and then bam hits you upside the head and you just you, you can't help but have a good time yeah, it takes the whole, you know, oh my god, you know, you're so serious rating. It kind of dubs it down and says, hey, this is just a game. I'm going to have a giant, you know, walking undead scrotum is going to take a dump on your raid. And then I'm going to have a small, you know, boy in a giant robot or girl. I don't know what the hell XT is. But yeah, like you said, we wiped repeatedly. It was just a, I still I still listen to that freaking to the boss in my head. And it is the damn funniest thing I've ever done in the game so far. I had so much fun with that fight. Now, from scrotums to penises, let's talk about Dante's Inferno. So, <laughs> you are uh, the fire, fire penis. penis of death. Uh, so, you played the uh, the demo quite a bit over the holidays. Um, not quite a bit, actually. the The demo is a little bit. Um, I don't want to say a letdown. Um, but the problem with that, that I had with the demo is I have a pretty big TV, and I, I mean, I have, it's like forty seven inches. It's it's pretty big, and I don't sit exactly far away from it. So, it, it, my content's pretty damn big. 
Um, the problem with with Dante's Inferno, the big problem that I've had so far with the uh, the the demo, is the size of the text. The text is very stylized, but it's very small and tight. It is impossible to read anything. You want to read any of the 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 quest log that comes up? Yeah, good luck. You get right up on there, get a magnifying glass, and deal with it. Um, you you, you want to learn what talents you're specking into good luck you're gonna have to get a micron elect you know electron microscope to try to get it and that's my problem with it like the gameplay is i mean it's it's fun i'm not gonna lie it, it really is a lot of fun it plays very much and feels very much like god of war um the the visuals as far as like the viscera and the actual mechanics of it like the just watching everything flow it's very smooth and it's very pretty i just can't read a goddamn thing I don't understand why they made the text so small. You can't adjust it either. That's the thing. And I hope, I hope to God when they release the game that they either make the text bigger or they give you an option to, I don't care if I have to put it on old man fucking text that it's like, you know, <laughs> like the jitterbug phones for, for gaming. Like it just, you know, has this huge fucking like three letters at a time. I'll deal with it at that point as long as I can read what's going on. Cause I'm sitting there, I'm like, well, I don't know what this is. I can, I can, I can put something in there, but I don't know what it does. And it gets really annoying. That's, that's my letdown. So I didn't get to what, play it too what much. What console are you playing it on? I'm playing it on the 360. Okay. That's something I noticed that with the 360, unless you're running like on a 1080 freaking P humongous high definition television, the text is damn near impossible to read. It's still not very good on a PS3. Oh, well, never mind. That's just them foobarring. Yeah, it's 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 the game itself. It's the actual demo itself, and I hope it's a glitch with the demo. But, yeah, I'm, I mean, as far as, like, the content and the gameplay, it's fun. It's not exactly groundbreaking yet, and the text is really what I'm playing it for because I want the background story. I want, like, I'm a big, you know... Uh, classic text type guy and I want to see how they take the old text and translate it into the game and whatnot and it's just if I can't read it there's, it's starting to lose some of its appeal with me all right moving on from there I don't know if you guys have been actually following the Mass Effect 2 trailers like I was saying earlier they've been releasing a lot more stuff now you can see how they're getting on their marketing blitz that they're starting the game is due at what the 26 I believe correct me if I'm wrong but um it's coming out shortly right. anyways. Yeah, I think it is the 26th. Yeah. yeah, it is the 26th. Um, I pre-ordered it for the PC. and uh, But yeah, no, they've been releasing a lot more of the, the information for the, the individual characters and whatnot, which have been just fucking incredible. Just absolutely incredible. Um, again, I don't know if either of you guys are actually planning on picking it up. Um, I'm not planning on picking it up because I haven't played the first Mass Effect very... I haven't played it through. I played a little bit of it, but um, I, I have been watching the trailers, and they are they are pretty damn impressive. It's like, granted, every single... In between every video that I see, like on game trailers or anything like that, I'm seeing that advertisement and then followed by, you know, the option to go see the full trailer with, um, you know, the three characters and big ship and all that crazy crap, but um, I'm... Which I'm is too goddamn cool. Oh, no, yeah, it's... <laughs> I, I gotta admit, it's, it's pretty... It's, it's pretty boss, man. I mean... They, they did a great job. I'm a little disappointed. I shouldn't say disappointed, but like a lot of the games I like to play with my youngest son, who's 12 years old, and it's too bad that he's not going to be able to play this one with me because of the content in it. Because I know, like, we were watching at least the trailers together, and like he's practically drooling watching the trailers because it looks so goddamn cool. I I've been so excited for for Me Too. I mean, I played I played the the shit out of Mass Effect One, um, and I played it on the 360, and that should tell you something because I hate playing like first person esque games on the 360. Absolutely despise it. But I 
put that disc in, I can still put it in, and I can still play that game. And when I can spend 50 hours in a game doing nothing but talking to NPCs, I'm a happy camper. And that's the type of game that Mass Effect 1 was. Now, Mass Effect 2, um, I mean, I've been following this thing pretty closely. Uh, I've put on For the Lore, I had the uh, the character, the voice actors that were, were starting to come out of the woodwork for this game. I mean, they're doing everything right so far. The gameplay is, if it anything like Mass Effect 1, it's going to be ridiculously solid. Um, the graphics are hilariously amazing, and the voice actors are just going to be, you know, sick. I mean, I get to talk to Michael Dorn in the, the fucking game. Come on. I get to get to shoot the shit with Worf in Mass Effect 2. How well, awesome is that? It's funny because I was um, I was talking to my old man. My, my folks came to visit for, uh, for about a week during the holidays, and uh, my old man knows that we game quite a bit here, and he, he'll play the occasional game and, and whatnot. He, he doesn't have anything against games put it that way but i mean he remembers the old days of when i would play games in the house and we're talking back to like you know handy computers for christ's sakes like <laughs> the, the ibms weren't out yet all right but uh all kinds of different stuff but it's funny because i was showing him the trailer for mass effect 2 that came out because it came out right around that time and i said you have to see this like i mean seriously you want to see how far car games have gone listen to this and he's listening and he's saying is that Martin Sheen? That really sounds like Martin <laughs> Sheen. And I'm going, yes. And it's funny because as, I mean, when when the Wii came out, they really wanted to push for get people who aren't gamers in and whatnot. And we actually bought my folks a Wii shortly after it came out so that they could do some stuff. Um, but I mean, still, it's it's there's not enough there for most people of that generation. But it's funny when you can... When you when they start realizing the talent, the, the the acting talent that's now going into some games, all of a sudden it it lends a lot more credibility to the media than us saying no, it's not just games; it's an actual you know entertainment venue, same as TV or movies. So it was really really cool. And then I started rattling off all of the other actors who are in it as well. So yeah, no, they are doing. It's it's very very cool seeing all the trailers with what they're doing and how the gameplay is going to work with the different characters as well. And again, having seen what they did with Dragon Age Origins, I'm really interested to see how that's going to translate to Mass Effect Two. I've actually been playing the first one as well now that I picked it up, and I can already spot the differences and the similarities between the two. It gives you a lot more history on how they're doing their their game design kind of thing. Oh yeah, and and you can definitely if you spend a little bit of time just paying attention when you're playing the games, it's very easy to see. Uh, that being said, too, ordered the Star Trek Online as I said, and <laughs> that yeah, that beta is starting in how many weeks? That's starting on what day? Uh, it's supposed to start on the twelfth. Open beta. Yeah. Yeah, because the codes are supposed to show. I'm supposed to receive my code by the tenth. They better send me my goddamn code, or I'll be a little bit upset. <laughs> uh, don't, but, don't worry, I'll, I'll rub it in your face if you don't. Oh, nice boy, nice boy. That's nice. <laughs> so yeah, that's going to be great. And then we also get the two day head start as well. So I am really looking forward to that as well. And I've been reading a lot more how they've been talking about what the questing is going to be like. They have some people who are there. There's no NDA in place. So they're able to talk a lot more about the, the first few quests that you're doing and whatnot. And it's very cool how the, um, the reviewers are saying how it's, um, it's very different than everything we've experienced up to date. And though you're not exactly feeling that 
And well, it's obvious they didn't put everything into this game kind of thing. There, there was still a lot more that could have gone in, but they had to trim some back just to get it done on time. And yet they're still saying it's still a very full experience based on that episodic content, how you're kind of cruising along and you're never at a loss for something to do. And, and I think that really speaks volumes about how they're setting up the games. I mean, obviously you can put everything in the kitchen sink in a game and it can still suck. Um, knowing exactly what to be able to, to, to trim away from a game and still have your players in a beta um, speak so highly of it. I mean, and everybody, I know, I know people personally that are in the closed beta right now. Um, and I mean, the way that the beta is right now, they have it set up a little weird where you get to play a certain number of hours on certain days because they're still they're, they're balancing servers and content and things like that and patches and whatnot. But even then, they're just like, I just can't wait to get home. I mean, I have one of my friends at work has actually used um, and he's at a different office, but he's used sick time <laughs> to, to, to leave work and go home to log in just so he can play around with the beta. And I think that's that that I mean, that level of addiction is is. Uh, indicative of a fantastic IP. Um, and for anybody who hasn't really seen it, um, if you're really not excited about it, go to the main site, go to Star Trek Online and watch the trailer. Um, they just released the trailer and it's a little bit of a teaser, but it's so awesome to see the, the <laughs> just the ship combat and the sounds and the graphics and just, I don't know about you guys, but I saw that and I just started, I, I mean, I'm sitting there like, yee like giggling literally giggling because it was so i'm like i want this i want this now give me give me give me there's so much about it that is and and i don't know if it's because i personally have been in the wow rut long enough where i want something different and i wanted i want to experience something different if it fails that's all well and good but i want something different than what i've been doing for so long so when i'm seeing what they're doing with the um excuse me the episodic content with, with the questing in the ship or in um away missions and things like that and how they're also making it because a lot of people have been complaining saying there's not this much combat in star trek it shouldn't all be combat and so some of the quests you're doing have absolutely nothing to do with combat and so it's nice to see you're going to be able to gain experience not by killing somebody you know so there's a lot of things like that that i really cannot wait to do and then when you start hearing about the the big space fights where yes. everybody's just getting together and it's the equivalent of either a pvp kind of like crossroads fight kind of thing or or south shore and and terran mills or if it's also just the the big huge fights where it is just the everybody joining together on the same quest essentially again your your raid content at that point it's fucking unbelievable that really interests me a lot uh, uh, one thing that really catches me about the game, one thing that I'm really, really looking forward to um, is the way that they're doing specialization, too. And we talked about it before on a previous podcast, but I mean, that really gets me going because it's like my character can be the away mission monkey. He could be the guy that, you know, beams down, takes a couple buddies from some other ships and like, you know, is Billy badass. But then when he's in space, he has to rely on other people to, to you know, to, to make sure he can get through certain things. And I like the idea between the fleet actions where... Um, you don't have to set a raid. It just happens. It's just, you know, you don't have to raid at a certain time. It's just, oh, there's this sector over here is there's there's huge combat. Let's go join the fleet and you can warp into the sector and, and just join up with everybody else and just go right to town. And 
I think that's awesome as well. And I also like the fact that they're doing things specifically for um, people that want to heal. Um, they want to be medical people and you're earning experience through healing and buffing and, and things like that. And just social interaction gets you, it nets you experience points. I mean, I'm just, it's just ridiculous. And it's just, it, it seems to me like a complete, a completely different experience from anything that we've, we've had so far just because it draws from so many different elements. And that's, what's nice about it to me. I'm interested to see as well how good the launch is going to be. I got to tell you, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I don't want to say I have my doubts. It's just been bitten too many times by wow or not wow, but by MMO launches. And so, but they have a little bit more history behind them with MMO launches. They've been doing the beta for a while. I'm really curious whether or not they're, they're prepped for what I would anticipate to be one hell of a launch in terms of sheer numbers of people who are going to be giving it a shot. And, and if it was any other company besides cryptic and I would, and, and with Atari behind it, I would probably be a little more skeptical about that, but I have nothing but faith in these guys when it comes to that. I mean, these guys, I mean, we, we've seen their, their level of commitment to the community. We've seen uh, how much they've, they've, you know, put into making, um, you know, champions online, such a huge success. I, I think that they understand what they've taken on here. And I honestly think that, that, that I think this is going to be a smooth release. I really honestly do. And I don't say that very often, if ever. Yeah. Well, it'll be hoping. No, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm due to financial reasons or whatnot, I am cutting back so dramatically on any subscription-based gaming at all for like the first the first half, let's say the first six months of You're, uh, you're of hoping it fails, aren't <laughs> No, no, no. As a matter of fact, I'm not. I'm hoping that you guys will guinea pig for me and give me an honest, sober, you know, review of the game so that I can then say, well, yeah, okay, I'm going to spend the money on this because, like I said, I mean, you, 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 you said it perfectly. We've been kind of burnt a lot by releases and by bad releases, but I have a lot of faith in Cryptic. I mean... I, I really, really don't want to doubt at all that they can pull this off because I have no reason to believe that they cannot pull it off. But, you know, it's just this is a very big, very massive franchise, and there's just the crowds of people waiting for this particular, you know, game to be released is just uh, massive as all hell. So I'm kind of hoping that everything goes really well, surprisingly enough. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, bash on games or anything. I just hope you guys enjoy it and can tell me what's good and what's not good about it so that way i can then decide well i'm going to pick it up and you know shoot the shit with you guys or you know just pass on well if there's two people in this world that are articulate in their criticism it's i think it's definitely us yeah <laughs> apparently not sober though but 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 articulate <laughs> yes that we'll, we'll give it that but yeah <laughs> sober might have been the wrong word for 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 you two lushes but uh how about this Un unbiased no maybe not now, I, I I'm, honestly, I'm, if it if it is not good, you will hear it from me because I <laughs> I was so freaking hyped for Ion. Oh man, it was like I man, I was so hard for that game. And then when it failed, when it, when it failed, and when all the problems, and then later on the leveling, I didn't bite my tongue about it. So you can expect the same with this too. There's no unbiased love whatsoever if it's great you'll hear it if not trust me you'll hear it um that being said talking about launches as well it's funny how we're seeing 
a little bit more in terms of how people are launching their games now. Game dev companies are launching their games, wherein it's not always when the game is ready. Again, we were it was interesting when we were talking to Bill and um, and the cryptic or the uh, Runic Boys how they were saying like not everybody has that flexibility the Blizzard has, and you have your deadlines and whatnot. So we're seeing that with Star Trek Online, where they're talking about. You know, we have to scale back some of what we wanted to put in just so that we can still release it on the date it's supposed to be. Not when it's ready, but no, on this date. And we saw that as well with Algonon. Now, I don't know how many people have been following this game, but it's fairly interesting. It's actually, I haven't tried it yet, but I did actually download it and install it. And I will be giving it a shot, so I will talk about it a little bit more next week. But here's an MMO that came out that it's interesting because... They're, they're, they appear that they want to do certain things right, and yet I think they're putting a lot more faith in the player base than maybe they should. Now, maybe you guys will disagree with me on that or not. Um, well, they did release it too soon. All their, their dev blogs are saying how they're working on it, they're fixing the bug fixes and everything else, and they had what they call a soft launch. So basically... To me, that means they weren't confident enough in the game to market the shit out of it so that everybody wants to try it when it comes out, which is why a lot of people didn't hear about it, myself included. I, I knew a little bit, but Never I didn't really it. follow it that much. But then you read up on it, and it's kind of interesting. There's some different things that they put in. But again, they launched with only two races. They launched with only four classes. They launched with obvious bugs that they keep saying that they are going to be fixing. There's different things in it that are kind of cool with the the fact that you're going to level whether you're playing or not, which is kind of a little odd, but it does mean at least that you're not always left behind if you're busy with, well, life kind of thing. And then there's essentially two subsets of guild systems kind of thing. They have guilds and then they have what they're calling families which i i don't quite agree with the name there they could have chosen something a little cooler than fam if you've met my family you would know i don't want <laughs> i don't want to be around family in a game <laughs> i want to kind of be away from family but no um so they've got family where it's kind of a friend system kind of thing they've got dual role which is essentially dual spec but with three secondary specs what they're saying too is that a lot of the game will change based on what people are um what people are doing in the game and that's what they're going to then build towards but to me that again correct me if i'm wrong it's kind of like the the thing with facebook not that long ago where they were putting it to a vote to the people don't run your company the way you think it should be run if people want to do something do it that doesn't mean you should be hard-ass about everything yes the people should have a choice but i think that by giving too much of a voice to your player base, the loud ones that you're going to hear aren't always the smartest. Exactly. I agree. One hundred percent. We've learned that from time and time again. You walk over to the uh, the WoW forums, and the vocal members there are not exactly the brightest, you know, stars in the sky. So, so with something it, like this, you've got a game that they're going to be relying on the community. Well, case in point, they've got a system called Kudos, which is and to quote them, empowers players to be polite. Oh my God, I laughed when I read that. Empowers players to be polite and helpful towards others in order to receive kudos from others. 
Let's be very honest. <laughs> yeah. That ain't going to happen. People are going to be, gonna be abused. Man. Assholes. Like nobody's business. Well, not just that, but you're not getting people saying, hey, good job with that healing. I mean, Joe and I have been playing healers in a while since it came out. You rarely get a tap on the back saying, great job healing. No. Dude. You, you get silence or you get bitched at if something goes wrong. Dude, I, I got... Oh, I, I just wrote an article on it over at World of Maticus. Uh, my my friggin' uh, with the new random tool, my legendary maze. I had somebody telling me that the only reason I could fucking heal was because of goddamn item. There is no appreciation for healers anywhere, anywhere. We just get shafted. That I'm, I'm sorry, it's just it happens. I'm not gonna get any kudos in this fucking system. I want to heal something. It's gonna be like, oh great, I, I didn't die. Give me kudos. No, yeah. fuck you. <laughs> You know, it was funny that you said that because I thank every single good healer I run into because I've run into so many bad ones that it's just it's uh, it's offensive to me to see a druid at level 80 not, you know, in a five man freaking random, not cleansing poison, only healing with life bloom, wearing level 70 epics from freaking Karazhan and he doesn't have wild growth. Just, you know, I, I, I actually um the, we have an audience member who made a very good point. There are two games uh, that that have existed that have benefited healers, um, with as far as benefiting them for their and that's DA, uh, Dark Age of Camelot and Warhammer. However, I still don't get thank yous from players in those games. I don't get one single thank you. That's Roger's point. I agree with one hundred percent. That's very rare that I do that. So so mark it. Oh yeah, no, and, and in every game I play, I play a healer. Like I'll play other classes as well, but my first choice is always a healer. And there have been a few instances, like it's exaggeration for the sake of effect. There have been a few instances of people saying, "Hey, great job healing us." But the fact is, is that like we're at over five years of WoW, and I can count that on you know both hands and that's i don't have to be holding my dick for 11 we're maxing 10 here it's it's just there's it doesn't happen and it's the same in every game where you're really not getting people being thankful for healing now on the flip side of that the same can be said of a good tank as well you're not going to get the thank thank yous from the the the, the dps for doing your job appropriately and holding aggro and everything even when you got dumbass goddamn dps pulling all of the aggro so it's the same kind of thing so this kudos system as much as i think they mean well i don't think they quite grasp the internet community that well i don't think they understand yeah. that and see, and that's really the problem is it's just it's a different animal when you're dealing with a, a, a section of the world that's filled with like 13 year olds that, you know, pick up an account for the first time and, um, you know, want to scream things at you. You're going to you can't really expect the player base to be like, you know, every single person is going to be doing that. Hell, you'd be lucky if 10 percent of them do it. I mean, there's a reason I don't go on Xbox Live anymore, people. Yeah. <laughs> so I will still give the game a shot, even though from the trailers, it looks far too much WoW-esque. And again, I've been wanting something different, even though they're right on their site saying, you're tired of WoW, try us kind of thing. I'll give them a shot and I will talk about it next week. However, my hopes are really not that high. I got to tell you right off the bat. Now, moving on from there, last week when we were talking about things that we're excited about for 2010, we only very briefly touched on it. I was saying that I was excited for Star Wars The Old Republic and uh, Rick was saying how he was looking forward to StarCraft 2. Um, so we started talking about it a little bit more in terms of what are we excited for? What is coming out that 
really has us excited. There's a variety of games that I've mentioned, like the obvious Star Trek Online, which we just touched on, as well as Star Wars The Old Republic. But something a little bit different than that as well is, and it may not come out, and it's not really a game, it's hardware, but something that I'm really looking forward to is actually whether or not Apple is going to release that tablet PC that they're talking about. Now, the way that they've been talking about it as well is it may not be so much a tablet PC as just an enhanced iPhone that has a much bigger screen. Now, some elite rumor came out about it and they're calling it the iSlate. Now, this sucker here is, they're looking at a size, um, a seven, what, 7.1 inch, I believe, screen resolution. Um, yeah, 7.1 inch multi-touch and then on top of that i mean we're talking about uh, an intel core duo processor 2.26 again this is all rumor but who knows uh two gigs of ram 120 gig hard drive with which i would assume of course is going to have to be solid state and and everything else <laughs> including a built-in eyesight camera and projector what the fuck this is i hope to hell this is true but the thing is is that Portable gaming has really changed, so something like this actually has me excited just based on all of the games that I love to play on my iPhone now, because my iPhone has pretty much taken over the DS and the PSP as portable gaming machines. So something like this, I'm seeing a lot more opportunities to really, really do something absolutely amazing with it, to, to program something fantastic. Like the App Store should explode with phenomenal games after this. See, and, and, and I don't know. I don't know what to expect with it. Like we've been hearing rumors about a, uh, a touch, a larger touch interface from Apple since, you know, the iPhone came out with tablet PCs and, and what have you. And I, I don't, know how that's going to work out in the end because i mean mean, it's also going to be uh compatibility um it's going to be is it going to be something where if something like this comes out is it going to be proprietary programming like the iphone is is it going to be uh open to, to to vendors uh open to developers is it something that you know activision can go and actively program for i would um, think so i mean again or, the app store uh, is but you also have to keep in mind, though, I mean, is it something like that or is it something that uh, is going to wind up like the old classic Apple problem where how many games are actually out for the Apple operating system and how many of those games uh, were released two years or a year or however much after they were released for the PC? So, I mean, then you have a problem where, yeah, I have this awesome handheld device and this amazing device. Um, how long do I have to wait for a game when I can go and buy it for the DS or I can go buy it for the PSP already? So, I mean, it, it's, I'll be, I, I want it. I want to see this thing come out. I want to see, uh, I want to see it take off and I want to see it start revolutionizing uh, the types of games that we play. But I, I don't know. I'm a little skeptical. I'm a little worried uh, just with the way that uh, the past history with Apple and gaming has been in general. Now, yeah, if, I'm, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I kind of mirror the same sentiment, but it's one of those weird things. Apple is a very strange bird for me. Apple, they just have the most powerful freaking machines, like right out of the box. They have such amazing tech. They have really good shit. And they always seem to be on the forefront of the most, like, just the coolest crap. Like, this freaking isolate sounds too good to be true. However, Apple has not really always been renowned, you know, for their gaming prowess. I mean, just the App Store is is pretty much the only instance that I've seen where I've actually 
sat down with an Apple product and considered it to even have the potential to be a gaming platform. Now, with that said, like, you know, what, what uh, Joe was saying, is it going to be one of those things where it follows the same suit as just about every other Apple product where it doesn't play nice with anybody else other than Apple's, you know, offerings? You know what I'm saying? Because that seems to be, you know, the case in point. They have a lot of software and they have a lot of things available for them, mind you. But it's like, will, will it even have enough pull that companies like Activision or EA or whatever will want to develop. They'll be like, well, average Joe Schlub doesn't really have $600 right now in the economy to, to dump on X, Y, and Z and whatnot, so we're not going to bother you know, developing for it. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm skeptical as well. I, it would be really cool if it happened because it's fucking awesome if those specs are real, but um, I, I don't know, man. It seems a little too good to be true. I think that if we were several years back... I would be agreeing a lot more more with you guys. However, after the success of the App Store and the iPod and the iPhone, I think that Apple is seeing a lot more how their money, they can make a lot of money from games in the App Store, not from the apps. It's the games that's making them money. Yes. So oh, yeah. knowing that, I think that they are going into this knowing that and banking on that. So I would assume that there will be a lot more of the programming will be friendly. I, I cannot, I can't imagine that they'd shoot themselves in the foot and not make this backwards compatible with apps from for the iPod Touch and the the iPhone. They might not be quite as crisp because the screen is a little bit bigger. However, it should still look... Obviously, it should still be playable, is what I'm saying. I mean, the aspect ratio appears to be the same, things like that. I, I would think that they would be complete idiots if they weren't banking on backwards compatibility, which then means that this thing would be open to all the games in the App Store right now. But again, it's one of those things where I think that only time will tell. I mean, oh, definitely. You, I mean, I'm a, I'm I'm an Apple fanboy. I really am. I mean, I have my PC. I have my Mac. Um, I love my Mac to death. I would hug it every night if I could. Um, as a matter of fact, I might go do that after the podcast. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but the problem is, and like I said, it's just it's a matter of right now. It's just speculation until we get more, until we get something concrete, and until Steve Jobs gets on that 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 stage and gives the keynote speech that says congratulations apples entered gaming officially let you know let the shit storm begin um i won't believe it i don't um and it's just again just from the past projects the past everything else that's been going on so uh, i don't get it it will be interesting it will be one of the like I've, i've always looked forward to their keynote shows um this one here is end of january i don't know the exact date which they're hinting that it may be announced at that time i am really i'm going to be watching that sucker really really closely to see whether or not it is announced it is actually uh, on the 26th of january as well that's going to be a big day um so yeah it's going to be very interesting to see whether or not they actually do announce it i the only downside if they do actually come out and announce it will be the price Yes. It's going to scare the shit out of me because if a 32 gig <laughs> or what is, no, the 64 gig um, iPod Touch was selling for $2.99, $3.99, what was it? Yeah, I'm a little afraid of what the price will be on this sucker. I won't be one of the early adopters. I just hope the hell it comes down in price and I can eventually pick one up because, man, that thing sounds fucking incredible it, at a projector a projector dude a built-in projector i want it i just i want the it. lg the, the uh, lg phone has one of those things i yep. that is 
really <laughs> yeah. fucking oh, cool, man. Man, I want it. So, oh, you, you know, the, the, the ripples, by the way, just one last thing I want to say. You know the ripples in the internet that are going to be caused if, like what Joe said, happens. If, you know, Steve Jobs gets on the stage and says, we're entering gaming and nobody can ever really use that PC gaming, you know, PC is for gamers and Apple is for everybody else kind of thing. They can't use that argument anymore if that were to happen, if Apple really does finally enter into the realm of gaming in a really strong way with this kind of tech, that'd be fucking cool. Well, the thing, too, is that they're talking about a different OS as well for this. It's not going to be like the iPhone OS. It's this Mac OS X uh, 10.7 clouded leopard, which makes you wonder whether or not there is going to be like if if a lot of it is going to be cloud or not, it's. There's, there's not, it's, and and again, it's a leaked rumor. I mean, you got to give it that much. So who knows? But cloud computing scares me. It does. It does. (laughs) But then that being said, they're not even talking about 3G or or anything like that either. So who knows what it's going to be? But if they're actually building the OS so that they can do more gaming, if they're making it backwards compatible, so it can be using iPhone and iPod touch apps for all those gamings, man, that'd be fantastic. Now that again, might choice was more hardware based and software based but yet it is something that i really am hoping does come out um rick you were talking about a bunch of games as well that you're looking forward to without the quite obvious starcraft 2 what are some of the other ones um actually not necessarily a game that i'm looking forward to but uh bayonetta comes out tomorrow and so does darksiders and actually so does that uh, expansion pack for um for dragon age origins and whatnot but uh, one thing that kind of struck me was funny was that bayonetta has been pushed back for however the hell long now and i think what you were talking about earlier that these gaming companies it's not so much that they can be like blizzard wave where they release it when it's ready you know they do a controlled release or whatnot i think this is the case where this holiday season a lot of stuff bioshock 2 just a bunch of games were pushed back into 2010 which is why we're all salivating now for it because (laughs) nobody wanted to compete with like modern warfare 2 or dragon age origins or any of that stuff you know we don't want to compete for sales with these games that are just dominating the shit out of the market but uh i've noticed now with like dante's inferno freaking darksiders all these there's a lot of games coming out that are just based on old literature you know like old literature that i read in like school you know coming up and shit like that about like the four horsemen of the apocalypse is the whole premise of darksiders and they've taken great liberties with it uh the friggin uh divine tragedy for dante's inferno is it, they've taken massive liberties you know, <laughs> with that game I'm just wondering, like, is that the new fad now? Uh, other than you know, beta, cl- other than closed beta being just you know a couple days, you know, of a month, with log spans in between. But is this the new thing now? We're we're running out of ideas. We're making like every well, old Bible story into a game. I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that it's running out of ideas. Me and me and my buddy Dan at work actually had a a, a pretty lengthy conversation about this. Um, everything's changing. The world is changing. Gaming is becoming accepted as a, a prime media for pretty much everything from advertisements, which you can see in Second Life with billboards and crap like that, to to movie-esque gameplay, which you can see with voice actors, uh, with actors coming in as voice actors like Martin Sheen coming on Mass Effect 2. Uh, Patrick Stewart um, is doing a ton of voice work now for, for games like that. And the New Castlevania, which... The, um, the New Castle, yes. Don't, oh, oh my God. God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was talking yeah. to Roger earlier man i mean like i'm buying a 360 <laughs> the day they give me a release date i am that freaking morning pawning my shoes and shit just to get me a damn 360 to play that it, game 
we'll, we'll get back on that one in a minute because I want to I want to gush on that one. But I'm just saying, like in general, you're you're hitting a point where gaming is becoming widely accepted as as mainstream. It's not uh, a second class citizen basement dwelling, you know, dead mother in the bed still taking care of her freak type of thing. It's it's this is a video game. Everybody now games. I mean. You know, I, I can walk outside and throw a rock and probably hit a house that has at least a 360 and a Wii, you know. So you're getting to this point where you're going to start going back to old stories, things that were geeks were like, well, we couldn't do this before. Nobody's going to get it. And they're like, well, now everybody gets it. So what the fuck? Let's go for it. And Dante's Inferno is a good example of that. I mean, how many how many people read that in, in, in school? You know, and now they're like, wow, there's a lot of interesting things in here we can do for video game. You know what? Fuck it. Let's do it. Um the 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 apocalypse for the the four horsemen of the apocalypse things like that that's those are are, are timeless stories that they're like you know what screw it let's go for it and, and I think it's really that's what's pushing it is because it's so mainstream now they can do wacky weird shit like that and it works I don't think right? it's only just that it is uh, it, well going on with what you said it's also that when they were making games you know twenty years ago they were gearing the games towards young boys those times have changed now because those young boys are now fathers and whatever so you're mm -hmm. now having an opportunity where games can be created that are geared towards a much older audience because you know that you're not going to be working hard on a game and then nobody's going to buy it because there's no older guys playing games likewise you can now create ds games or iphone games like that freaking Sa what is it sally salon or some damn thing yeah so my, my roommate plays the shit oh, out of that dude game. like you could not have made money on a game like that 20 years ago because a there weren't that many women gamers or girl gamers and they're just there wasn't enough of an audience now you can put that shit out and it's gonna sell like freaking crazy because you have that audience so now that you have um much more of a an older audience that you can also make games for then yeah there's like this very very rich literary background that you can pull from that creates amazing games i mean this dante's inferno regardless of whether or not it's only going to be a gods of war clone you can still have a very different lore that is wrapped around this clone regardless which makes it that much more interesting than it would have been otherwise agreed um, i agree one one other game though that i did want to bring up um that i am actually surprised myself at how much i'm looking forward to this game is apb or all points bulletin <laughs> all right <laughs> wait did you guys hear my two-year-old like growling in the background <laughs> no <laughs> all right just check it she's like ran by and i hear like mr go she's like hauling ass by growling at her anyway um this, this game apb right i I thought, all right, whatever, it's going to... It looked a lot like Grand Theft Auto 4, and they said, oh, it's going to be like an MMO, but a third-person shooter. They, they started spouting off all this information to it, and I was like, eh, you know, I've... This, this was around the time Ion, you know? So it's like, when Ion came out, this thing, you know, hit my radar, and I was like, you know, maybe I'm not going to fall into that trap again. The more that I, I read about it, the more that I watch these video podcasts that they do, um, pretty regularly, actually... You can subscribe to them on iTunes uh, or on YouTube and whatnot, and they have some pretty, pretty uh, – just it looks fun. It looks a lot of fun, and they're not marketing it to, like, topple the giants of the MMO industry or, or dominate the market or anything like that. And it's not, like, something I'm going to leave, you know, wow or, or, you know, have as a major time sink. 
but um it it's really really fucking intriguing it streams last fm radio so it has this just phenomenal uh music library with the game it's uh like a cops and robbers as if it was an mmo there's leveling up there's experience gain, but there's no stats, you know? So if you level up, it's not like you're suddenly going to be overpowering on somebody else. It just means you will have access to different gear. You will gain as your quest rewards certain certain guns, body armor, etc. The customization is, like, I thought Ion, I thought Aeon had good customization. This thing fucking blows the... It makes it look like light bright, goddamn Ion. All right? This, this game, you can customize... It's like The Sims clothes your skin uh, scars tattoos tons of tattoos it's just very 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 descriptive uh you get a vehicles you can customize the shit out of your vehicles like need for speed meets the sims meets wow meets grand theft auto it's just all these different great things put together you can customize your own music you can upload your own music into it um jesus christ what else can you do in this game uh the questing is cool because if you're playing as an enforcer you know the the cop side versus the robber side you cannot necessarily just jump into another player who happens to be like a criminal and arrest them you have to actually catch them doing something when you're done doing one of your quests you could just be cruising around and all of a sudden the sirens will flash on your screen and say apb like the random looking for group tool and wow and you can choose to accept or to decline and basically what that means is that there's another player nearby you who is having trouble or is just being overpowered by, you know, the scenario and you can, you know, come to that person's aid as backup, you know, like he, when he called, when you call him for backup, they don't just send NPCs, you know, NPC cops or NPC robbers to help you. Actual players can respond to that and it just can escalate into this huge, huge, you know, event. It's very, very, very cool concept. The only thing that I keep thinking with that is going to be that you're going to have basically a shortage of cops is what's going to wind up happening is that you're going to have all the kids wanting to be badasses with tattoos and nobody's actually going to want to be a cop. It's going to be like the the Asmodian and the Elios thing where they had to balance it because everybody wanted to be the Asmodians. And I think that have that would be the cops? problem. I, I, I don't think that's going to be a problem. Have, have you, have, have you seen? Have you seen these cops? <laughs> all right. Yeah, okay, let me put it this seriously. way. <laughs> um, if if you shoot, it's all it's all third person shooter too. That's the thing. So it's like it's not your gear is better. It's not your whatever is better. It's like pure first person shooter skill set. You know. So if if you kill a criminal as a cop, they get a 10 second respawn. Whatever they you know in a, in a nearby area, and they can they can come back. Right. If you arrest them, then they're out for like half a minute. And it takes a little bit longer to actually get the arrest, but it's just, it is really cool, man. Like, you really check it all out, and they're all – you can customize if you can this big built guy. I mean, they have the, – the videos that they have, the tools that they give you to customize your character is insane. I don't know what kind of technology they got for it, but it looks – just it looks incredible they, roger you gotta check it out man you gotta see it oh it's, i've been uh, checking it out i've got it on the um which it was in a magazine as well where they were talking about it so no and i have been following the the the, the previews as well and whatnot again though i keep going back to the same kind of thing where so few people want to be the good guys kind of things. Yeah, Regardless of how great they make the cops seem and how badass, I still maintain that you're probably going to have most of the people choosing to be the, um, the basically the gangsters. So we're going to take a break. We're going to have a quick drink, and then maybe Joe will get a chance to talk about what kind of things he's looking forward to in 2010. And with that, Yay. we'll be back in a few minutes. I'm joining Shepard. 
He acts on his impulses. He trusts his instincts. I like that. Me? I'm here to kill. If he tells me to kill, I'm gonna kill. If he tells me to fire, I'm gonna fire. If he tells me to stop, I'll stop. Eventually. <laughs> I'm joining Shepard. Not because I love humans, but because I love to fight. Okay, we're back with For the Lore. Thank you for allowing that little beverage break. We do appreciate it. And we're back to hear a little bit about actually what Joe is looking forward to now that we've covered some of what I'm looking forward to as well as Rick. Of course, my list of, of expectations or, or games that I'm looking forward to for 2010 um, definitely includes Star Trek Online, which I'm foaming at the mouth to get my hands on, um, as well as Star Wars The Old Republic, because, again, it's just an amazing IP that I want to see Bioware get their just see what they've done with their hands on it. But like I was talking with with Roger and Rick um, randomly through AIM, the new Castlevania has me super fucking excited. Now, I'm one of those guys that I'm, I'm an old-school Castlevania guy. I love my side-scrollers. I love Castlevania and side-scrollers. I have all the handheld stuff. Hell, I even spent uh, $10 on WiiWare to buy the new remake of the classic game. Um, that's just hit, that hit three days ago. I went and paid $10 to play it, and it's amazing. And I have not been excited for a 3D uh, Castlevania game because all the other ones were shit. And I mean, horrible 3D gameplay, just done absolutely ridiculously bad. But this one looks good. It looks pretty much like God of War meets Castlevania, which is an amazing thing to begin with um, because it's such a strong IP. And that's got me salivating. Um, Likewise. Oh, God. It's such it, and just with, and like we said before, with voice actors like Patrick Stewart, how the fuck? I'm sorry, Sir Patrick Stewart. Now. Sir, yes. <laughs> he, he, has, he has officially been knighted, finally. Um, how can you go wrong? And they're putting care into it. Like, if you go and watch the trailer, I mean, the game is looks beautiful. And it's the trailer is done within, in the in-game the in -game engine. It's not, like, just a standalone cinematic. It is the in-game engine and it's just it blew me away the first like i'm watching i'm like holy shit it's a 3d game for castlevania that might not suck got really excited um, also i think they're bringing back uh they're bringing back specifically alucard for this one as well so he's going to be in there too not just uh this gabriel belmont guy this other belmont or whatever the uh hmm, the the i'm trying to think of how to phrase it i don't think he'll be a playable character but like just the fact that he's there is is enough for me <laughs> So I'm I'm really excited about that. Another one that I'm uh, I'm really excited for um, is I'm really excited for tomorrow. Darksiders. Uh, Darksiders is like um, Devil May Cry meets Legend of Zelda meets Apocalypse, like religious apocalypse. And I'm not a very religious man uh, as far as like anything theology goes, as far as belief. But it is one of the most epic stories ever told. And when you have fire and brimstone and the battle between heaven and hell and the aftermath therein, and you have one of the riders of the apocalypse going, well, you know, fuck this, and you throw in Mark Hamill into the mix, Christ. I mean, I'm just, I'm so excited about this game. And it's one that I've been looking forward to since I've heard it, of its release. And shockingly enough, I'm not really that interested in Bayonetta. Uh, it's been getting a lot of hype, but I'm just kind of like, 
Uh, meh. I don't know. I think it's been done to death. So, but yeah, those those are the ones that I'm really, truly, honestly looking forward to, aside from also uh, Cataclysm, because God knows I want to play that game. God knows I want my Dwarf Shaman. I want it bad. <laughs> I want my God. I, I will settle for my fucking hammer. I just give me my damn Dwarf Shaman. But yes, those those are that's what I'm really looking forward to. You know what's funny? I again, it's and fuck. I mean, from beta for five years, I played. I'm really enjoying at the moment not playing WoW. I'm enjoying all the time that I can spend on the other games. Again, it's it's a little different for me than it is for you, simply because I don't have as much free time as you do, kind of thing. So I have to right. really try to pick what I'm going to to play a lot more carefully. And the fact of the matter is, when you're playing WoW, it kind of kills your desire to play a lot of other games. And so I'm really enjoying not playing WoW. And though there are a lot of things with Cataclysm that are interesting on the surface, though I don't think there's quite enough yet, but still, I'm... I'm I'm really tempted to just not even pick it up so that I can continue to play these other games like your again. I, I may very well still be playing Star Trek online at that time. Who knows when Star Wars Zero or Public's going to be out, but I I really want to give that sucker a lot of attention. So, yeah. And then there is still the Starcraft 2. Uh, if it doesn't get pushed back. Yeah, I was going to say, it, like, like right now, I, I noticed I've been following this thing like a freaking hawk. I've been following it like like you follow fucking cancer cells, okay? I've been looking at this game through all of its little incarnations, all the little things that were announced, and then they were scrapped and whatnot, and they, just before the holidays, they had this big, you know, holy crap, you know, they redid the whole, um, they did the whole website and everything, you know, brand spanking new, they put all this other information out, they... You know, remove the NDA from every single fan site that was allowed to to go near it. But um, now they're really quiet. Like, they're being deathly quiet. So, ultimately, I think that this whole thing with StarCraft 2 hinges on Battle.net. It hinges on if uh, if Blizzard gets their shit together with Battle.net, because Battle.net's supposed to be, like, their new... Their counter to, like, Steam. You know, for the most part, it's going to be their massive, you know, baby is going to be Battle.net. So if they can get that shit taken care of, then we're going to see a five to six month beta period for StarCraft 2, as was promised, as was is, you know, pretty much uniform amongst any other game that I've ever seen. And uh, we're going to be looking at StarCraft 2 in the fall. I, I think that it is going to be coming out next. Well, this year now, we could say, um, because, again, they are talking about doing their one game per year. And I think that though they they are still of the, the, the same opinion that games will be released when they're done. I mean, if you can't get it out in the year that you said it's going to be out, you got a problem here. That You got you, you should be able to adhere to a schedule a little better than that. And, and I can definitely agree with that. But with such a... Um, uh, Starcraft 2 is pretty much like the second coming of Christ for a lot of RTS gamers. So, right I mean, here. it's one, it, yeah, it's one of those things where, I mean, I failed freshman physics in college uh, as a direct result of Starcraft 1 and clan matches. And that's how much time I sunk into it and how addicting that damn game was. And, you know, when you got people that are more into it than I was then that are still, you know, willing to like, you know, carve their bodies up to make them look like a, a, a Protoss, you know, 
uh, zealot, you know, you, you, you're going to have problems. You have such a fanatical following that y- if you have to push it back to make sure it's done right, they're going to. So I'm, I'm kind of curious about that. And I also don't think that they're going to release it until they're ready to do rolling releases, essentially, on the next two parts of it. Because don't forget, the first release of it is Terran only for campaign. It's not all three. So they're releasing it in three different parts. And it's also going to matter to price point. Um, They haven't announced whether or not it's going to be a full-priced game for the first installation. And then the campaigns are, you know, downloaded through Battle.net, um and purchase at a discount or that they're going to be actual discs that you have to buy and pay another $50 for. So, I mean, there's a lot of logistics that, I mean, I'm, I'm certain that they're working on and they may have already have it figured out, but there's so little being trickled down right now that that's got me a little worried. It, it, it could be pushed back even further. And the only reason I say this is because I got my fucking beta key for this shit last year. The Likewise. Terran, the Terran campaign is playable now, but I still don't have beta access. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm a little, I'm a little leery, um, and I hate to say that because they've done such amazing things and they've proven themselves to be this, this huge, uh, wonderful company when it comes to giving gamers what they want. But it's just, it's one of those things where I'm not certain if they're going to have to pull it back uh, in order to make sure that they they do everything right because they don't want to rush it. And Blizzard has had that mentality in the past of it's done when it's done. And I don't. I think this is one of those games where it's gonna follow that a little stricter than some of their other IPs. I'm kind of looking forward to this game. I'm not so much leery, but I am anxious. I mean, I'm nervous because I don't want them to push it back. But at the same token, I want to bite the bullet and say, listen, if you have to push it back, push it back. I want this to be stress test. I don't want it to be crashing. I don't want servers to be unavailable. I don't want all the other, you know, myriad of problems that will happen in the multiplayer aspect with this game or any of the compatibility that they're going to have with, you know, Battle.net and being able to, like they were saying, they were toting at BlizzCon this past, uh, in 09, man, they were saying like, oh, you'll be able to chat with people who are playing WoW through Tells to somebody playing StarCraft or Diablo 3, at which point you can jump from game to game to game. And that is, that's pretty ambitious, in, in my opinion, not to mention very, very cool if they do manage to pull it off. And I have faith that Blizzard can pull it off because they're one of the major juggernaut kind of companies out there. But um, the whole thing with StarCraft Two that I actually like that it's going to be released as a trilogy because that means that they just get to spend all the more time. I got a feature coming up that I'm just going to record and do tomorrow, but I have a feature coming up about StarCraft Two. Where this game, honestly, is the first time that I have seen, and I think this is going to be like in typical Blizzard fare, is going to revolutionize this particular genre, the RTS genre, because you have a lot of RTS games that are pretty much the facts, the story, the, the lore perspective, the purpose is kind of lost in the action, the strategy, and the combat and whatnot. In this game in particular, from everything I've played and everything that I've seen and read, it is going to play a lot like... You know, like some of the Bioware games, actually, because just about everything in the campaign is your typical choose-your-own-adventure. You have very dire consequences, no-going-back kind of situations with your choices in what planets you visit, what sorties you decide to undertake, what you know technologies you unearth or discover or whatever it is. And it's very, very interesting how they're going to be able to allow the trees to go through from everything that I, I've heard at the panels. I mean, you could end up having... A very distinct gaming experience from one, you know, one playthrough to the next playthrough to the next. Well, that being said, then we've covered most of the games coming out. I'm surprised you actually didn't mention the Bioshock 2 that's coming out 
in like a month. Um, are you still actually planning on picking it up? Oh, hell yes, Joe. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. But I thought that, uh, you know what, honestly, I didn't mention it because goes with well, those it's things. one of those things that I think goes with it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's one of those games that all three of us have been looking forward to. I played the absolute shit out of the first one. I'm still playing. I loaded up the first one again because Rick did and it inspired me to load <laughs> it up again. And uh, yeah, so I mean, I think we're all going to pick it up. I'm going to enjoy it. Um, I've just been I've read I've been reading a lot of uh, interviews with the developers about it too, and listening to them say that they fixed all the problems that they had with the first one. I mean, let's be honest: the ending of the first one, Borderlands. Let, let's 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 be truthfully yeah. honest. It was anticlimactic. There was also a boss battle. The game really didn't lend itself very well to boss battles. I mean, Big Daddies were different. Uh, they were like mini bosses, but they they've even said they've learned their lesson from that. The, the best thing that I've said from that I've heard them say from it is. You know, we realize that we make a really good game. We tell a really good story. We do a lot of good audio and a lot of good visuals. We really suck at boss battles. And it just made me giggle. And they said, yeah, and we realized that the the ending of the, the first game was, well, how shall I put it? I think we screwed you guys, so we're sorry. We learned. So <laughs> Yeah, there, a lot of that was in, was that uh, December or January's PC Gamer? Because that, yeah, they they talked a lot about it and reviewed a lot of what's going on and talked to them as well, and it was refreshing. It's always nice to hear from a company that that says we screwed up. We know we screwed up. Here's where we screwed up. We'll do it better, as opposed to a company that will not accept blame. Will not. And and then you, how are you going to be able to trust that the sequel is going to be any different or any better from the first one and that they recognize what they did wrong if they're so full of themselves that they won't accept that? So, yeah, it was very good to hear how they're, they're talking about everything that they did wrong, which you can point to and say, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, now we're going to work on it and make it better. Good job, boys. So, yes, I am very much looking forward to two. See, like, oh, yes. that that's actually very cool. It's not so, like, to me, it's cooler that they accept the blame and want to say, yeah, you know, we kind of screwed the pooch. But I've seen a lot of companies say, they kind of, like, they skirt around that when they ask, you know, what are you going to do to make it better than the original? And they say, well, the original had some blah, 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 but instead they focus all the work, you know, they focus what they're saying on, on the sequel. With this one, this particular interview, one, they were like, yeah, this is exactly where we messed up. This is exactly we're going to, you know, we, we apologize for it. Now we're going to fix it. So that that right there is possibly the best marketing strategy, in my opinion, for building hype to any game or even just reselling to your to your fans. Just saying, hey, fans, you know what? You're right. We listen to what you say. You know, we're this big faces company. We're actually listening to you and we're going to fix what you wanted us to fix because we agree with you and blah 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 here we go so that right there got me 10 times more excited about the game in general just the story in this one seems to be a lot more mature and hopefully they do kind of just give it the kind of they give it the ending that we want i think uh roger you told me earlier on um a couple shows back that they were doing uh that they were going to give you like multiple multiple endings like there was going to be more than just two endings and there were going to be real endings this time not just two different they're going to give you real multiple endings. They, they said this in every interview uh, that they've that had so far. Yeah, it should be interesting. With that, we're going to call it a wrap. We are going to have a special feature for those who are going to be listening to the actual podcast. It'll be released on Wednesday. And uh, Rick's going to be doing a nice StarCraft II segment to put us up to date with what is going on right now, what we can expect, some some ideas of what is going to be coming out because we don't yet have all the details.
Hello everybody, this is Rick from Spooncraft and For The Lore Podcast, and I'm going to talk to you a little bit about StarCraft 2. Now, in order to not be babbling here for the next two or three days without taking a breath, telling you all about the StarCraft 2's history, lore, uh, gameplay, everything that is leading up to this title, I am instead going to just focus on the campaign single-player story, the lore behind the game, and bring you up to speed in what has happened and what major revelations have taken place in between the end of Brood War and the very beginning of StarCraft 2. In the very beginning of StarCraft 2, the world is dramatically different than what we all remember from StarCraft 1 and the expansion Brood War. As a lot has happened during the Brood War campaigns, but also once the Brood War is concluded, there was a period of time in between where there has not been pure silence. Things just didn't freeze. There was a lot of reconstructing going on and a lot of shifts in the attention of the powers that be. Let's go ahead and begin with the Zerg first and foremost. Ultimately, the way that the Brood Wars ended, Sarah Kerrigan, uh, the Queen of Blades, was the indisputed ruler of the sector for all intents and purposes. She was the most powerful force. The Zerg won the war, essentially. Uh, the Terrans were beaten at every turn, and the Protoss were pretty much split in two. Uh, their entire race was decimated. Now, suddenly, when the Brood War ended, Kerrigan pretty much withdrew all of her forces to their respective enclaves and whatnot, to their respective, um, you know, hubs and homes, and she is sitting with her primary core hive controlling everything on the planet Char. She has not stirred. There has not been new Zerg sightings or Zerg movements, major military movements. It's like the military just kind of paused. Um, and any scouts that have been sent in have just not made it back. Ultimately, the status quo is you don't necessarily see Zerg unless you go looking for them or you stumble upon them. And if you happen to do so, uh, you're probably not going to live to tell the tale of what you saw. Rumor has it that she is searching for something in particular. In this case, I'll just spoil it for you right now. Major spoiler warning. She is looking for Zelnaga temples and Zelnaga artifacts. More on that in a minute as I get to the very end of this little segment. Now, what the Terran are doing is not so much cloak and dagger. You have Octurus Menx has pretty much expanded all of the Confederacy and has raised the Terran Dominion. The Terran Dominion having um, basically won out over the UED, the United Earth Directorate, has taken over just about every single corner of the sector um, that has any Terran influence with the exception of the Emojin Protectorate and the Kelmorian Combine, which are mining guilds and whatnot, kind of like on the outer rim, the outskirts, like the backwater kind of places outside of Dominion control. You know, the no man's land, the wild west of outer space, so to speak. Jim Rayner is leading a resistance force against Manx, uh, kind of like a real warfare group, and he has very limited resources and has been basically losing the battle, very demoralized, sunk deep into into alcohol and regret and sorrow and just general he's he's generally mind fucked at this point uh there's been lots of propaganda that Mensk has been using a lot of scare tactics a lot of political warfare that he's been using against Raynor to discredit him and to turn the people against him which is kind of a big deal seeing as how Raynor's greatest weapon has always been the people and that he's an honorable person and a great warrior and just a great leader but that leader has pretty much lost his spirit. His spirit has somewhat been broken in these past couple of years after the Brood Wars prior to the beginning of StarCraft II as he remembers Tassadar's death, uh, Phoenix's death, uh, all the planets that have been lost, all the friends that have been lost, all of the changes that have happened, and most importantly, he is still plagued by Kerrigan's corruption and the fact that he lost Sarah Kerrigan 
to the Zerg, and now she is quite possibly the greatest threat to all life. The Protoss are in a very unique situation, and once again, I'm going to give you a big heads up. This is a major spoiler alert. Um, I suggest that you please go out and buy them. They are that good to worth spending all the money on it. Buy all three books. The Dark Templar Saga. It's a trilogy written by Christy Golden. Fucking phenomenal books. Very well written, and they make a very good uh, case for bridging the gap and have actually been accepted as official canon and used to lay the foundation for StarCraft II Wings of Liberty, which is the first game coming out hopefully now in 2010 if it doesn't get pushed back any further. And we're going to see some amazing shit with this campaign, but back to the Protoss. Uh, the planet of Ire is pretty much owned by the Zerg at this point. There are still Protoss on the planet scattered about, though not anymore after the um, events of the Dark Templar Saga. But safe to say, the Protoss are now... Their home world has now pretty much been changed from Ire to Shakuras, where the Dark Templar and your traditional Templar are now together, back again, reunited as one, trying to reintegrate. They've gone back to more of their tribal feelings, their tribal situation. Uh, They've gone back to like their tribal organizations prior to the Aeon Strife, before they all became one giant unified race under the Kala, uh, which is their spiritual and kind of psychological connection. You can enter the Kala, and where you will, you know, it's where two Protoss meet, and they share their emotions, they share their memories, their experiences, and whatnot. Outside of the Kala is the uh, Dark Templar. They preferred to remain individualistic. They don't want to share their thoughts constantly. They don't want to have that giant, not necessarily hive mentality, but extremely open uh, mentality. They prefer their individualism. So you have these two sects of this one race are now put back together, and old grudges are very hard to get over in this particular case as there's still a lot of distrust and a lot of worry that's going on, though Zeratul has snapped out of his funk from when he killed Rajagal, has reignited his passion to lead his people to follow through with her final wishes to him and to lead the Protoss people, the Dark Templar, and um, the traditional Templar and become the great Protoss leader that he always was meant to be. He has been researching um, and searching... He, he has been searching extensively to find out the key to what's happening now because there's a lot of stuff going on with the powers that be and and the energies involved within the universe specifically in the Zelnaga now as was explained in the novels by a Protoss preserver to uh, Zeratul the great secret is that the Zelnaga are not a immortal godly race of beings they are very much mortal and they do indeed have a life cycle now their life cycle is very odd to anybody else but it is extremely normal to them as normal to them as breathing is to a human um, the Zelnaga when they reach the end of their life cycle they create two separate races one which is pure of body pure form i.e. the Protoss in this case and the other which is pure of essence i.e. the Zerg what will happen is is that eventually it is foretold that the Zelnaga will return and when they return, they will merge these two races together to form one race. At which point they will inhabit and implant their souls, their essence, everything into this race and be technically reborn. This is just how it is. It's somewhat symbiotic, but this is their life cycle. This is how they exist. And it's a very big deal because a lot of these Zelnaga temples now around 
the the Corpulu sector are starting to activate. People are seeing these huge beings of light, which is essentially bursting out as if it was being born from like an egg out of these temples, just rupturing through the ceiling and then you know escaping into space and vanishing forever. So we're gonna see some very very interesting shit going on. As well, this is the major linchpin. We do not know who Samir Duran is, that one agent that was with the UED, was with the Zerg, was playing basically all sides against the middle that Zeratul ran into as he was forcibly, genetically making hybrids of Zerg and Protoss. Because as you know, Zerg cannot infest Protoss. It's just something with the genetics of it, obviously because they come from the same progenitor race of the Zelnaga they cannot really merge in that regard unless this is on the god doing so as we just recently discovered in the novels so where are we sitting with the Terran campaign Raynor's gonna discover pretty much all of this that's where I'm stretching my bets so we're gonna see a lot of reorganization and restructuring going on with the Terrans they're gonna become more of a formidable force now uh, under Raynor hopefully there's gonna be a lot of shit going on with the Protoss as they come to this grand realization as Zeratul basically will finally hopefully tell the race as a whole, tell all of the Protoss, this is the fate that awaits us if we do not act. And as soon as Kerrigan finds out whatever she is looking for, possibly a way to harness this, possibly a way to infest and take over the Zelnaga themselves and absorb their energy into her brood, into her essence. So we're looking at some very, very interesting lore coming up. Amazing gameplay stuff. I cannot wait to see where this all leads, where this all comes to. There's such sketchy and limited information out there outside of just these three books and a handful of minor leaks in the story that I heard over at BlizzCon in 2009. So hopefully we're going to be getting the beta very soon. Uh, this January, this February in 2010, we sit for a six-month beta period five to six months beta period barring any major crippling situations the beta period may not even be that long seemingly because the major uh, obstacle or the big core element of StarCraft 2's launch isn't necessarily StarCraft 2 but so much Battle.net and this is Blizzard's answer to Steam this is Blizzard's massive gaming platform service is going to be Battle.net in which you're going to be able to be playing World of Warcraft and send uh, a private tell to somebody playing Diablo 3 and invite them to play and then you'll exit that game and jump into Diablo 3, jump into StarCraft 2, you'll have game lobbies for pretty much all three games and any other future Blizzard titles. It's a very ambitious and very large undertaking to develop this kind of system, let alone the backbone to support such a system. So as soon as Blizzard gets that taken care of, I am pretty damn sure that we are going to be getting StarCraft 2 in a very quick way. If it wasn't for the fact that Battle.net is taking so long, we would have seen StarCraft 2 already, as that game is... I don't want to say it's done, but of everything that I have played, it is extremely polished. Everything that we have seen, it is extremely developed, and the amount of information that has been released to uh, StarCraft 2 fan sites is staggering. They have a damn near fully functioning multiplayer game and the single-player story has already been taken care of now. They're simply working on implementation of the backbone of the actual service that will allow you to play the game. Because when that beta comes out, Battle.net will be ready to roll. Anyway, folks, I hope that you enjoyed it. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, you want to argue with me or whatnot, you can either hit me up at ForTheLore.com and um, post a comment in the show reply 
as of this posting or you can go to spooncraft.com and you can find me there as I will be cross-posting this information there as well. Thank you very much for listening and I hope you enjoy. Outstanding. Hey, I'll be back in like 30 seconds, okay? I gotta go stop a homicide. Well, god damn. I make up for being, for that just by being annoying, though. So <laughs> It works out in the end. And when I say right back, I mean, you know, a few minutes because I'm not moving fast. You got it, man. Just don't fall down the stairs, Grandpa. We need to buy him one of those segways that can go up and down stairs. No, no, no. We gotta get him a rascal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, get him, that's awesome. we get him a rascal like those morbidly obese people down the street i can just totally imagine roger on his little rascal with the snow tires on it and shit because he lives in the fucking tundra that's awesome i highly approve highly approve <laughs> i gotta get a picture of him so i can photoshop him like on a rascal i think that would be excellent much much better i'm no longer pissing out of my ass so it's always good We're okay. <laughs> poor, poor, poor Roger. He even sounds like a geriatric when you're talking about laughing at me, Bazard. Just let me get my headset on. No, it's the tone. It's the tone. <laughs> I'm coming, boy. I'm coming. <laughs> Don't start that podcast without me. I didn't touch a damn thing, fool. But just don't do it again. Is all I'm saying. I. Hell yeah, man. We got to get helmets. Just all three of us get them. I don't need a helmet. I, I'll be a wild one. <laughs> Flash of tats and I'll be running off. I all of a sudden have the idea for a Disney movie running through my head. I, I don't oh, know. That's an I, awesome shirt. <laughs> isn't it though? That's my, my, my uh, basically left for dead with veggies and sandwiches and fruits. Ugh. People bitch when I don't have the video on, bitch when I put it on, bitch whenever. I get called ugly by everybody. You know, screw you all. That's and that includes you too. I called you a I whore. Don't think I, I, I don't think you're ugly. I think you're old. But actually, you complimented my hat, so you're off the hook. <laughs> the rest of you can go to hell. Okay, just go to hell, damn it. I don't want to play with you no more. It makes me so happy. <laughs> so you're not recording this, right? Actually, I still am, but it's not I going in the outtakes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it stops a lot of the the t and the p kind of sounds. I